Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. Today, we had on guest Jake Gardner of Carolina Hurricanes. With me, as always, Danny Heath, Project Hockey. This was awesome. It was good to get, you know, I'm not from Minnesota, but I've been here a long, long time. So it's good to get another Minnesota guy on the podcast. It, it's, uh, it pained me to hear his answer about being a Packers fan, but you know, when you're winning championships and you're living in that area, it's hard not to cheer for those guys. So I get it, but I don't get it at the same time. Uh, this was an awesome interview. It was a blast. He He's obviously done a lot in this game, and he's continuing to do it, and he's arguably one of the best defensemen to play that are currently playing. And so if you're going to listen to anything, listen to the advice that this guy gave when he talked about what coaches did to make him better, the coaches that he had that had an impact on him, and just his overall advice about what youth hockey, junior hockey, pro, college, junior coaches, what they can all do to, I guess, make their players play better, right? Like make them, you know, want to work harder for them, make them want to make the right decisions and make them uh, just have more fun, which I think leads to more success on the ice. So fired up about this one, coach. What what caught your attention? Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. I mean, just getting the chance to speak with Jake is, is, is awesome. I mean, he's uh you know, he's an NHL veteran, one of the top top defensemen in the game right now. So having him on is an honor. But here, be able to pick his brain and learn from his insights on, you know, playing multiple sports growing up, huge. Playing multiple positions. You know, he, he's a guy that, right. that changed from – he played forward his whole life. And look at him now. He's making making uh, a career in the league as a defenseman. And But, you know, the thing that stood out to me the most is his advice uh, to players uh, – then I think this translates to any level, but the advice to players on how to be coachable and the importance of being uh, coachable in order, you know, no matter how good they are at whatever level they are, the importance of being coachable to be able to learn from others and learn from their coaches, I think is a huge, huge takeaway from this, um, you know, from this podcast, from this episode. And, and the fact that you got a guy like Jake Gardner telling guys that like, you know, his own experience when he thought he knew everything and he realized he didn't. And that's when he made a transition to the higher levels. Like, that's where he found his game. I think that's a huge, huge takeaway for listeners. So for sure. I'm fired up. I want to, I want to hear, I want to pe- let the, let the people hear it. Yeah, it was cool. And it was cool when he started off when he's like, here's the actual lake. Maybe, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe by now when you're listening to this, we can have cut that up and, and put that on our Instagram, something like that. Pretty yeah, sure yeah, it was kind of, yeah, he decided to, that was cool. I mean, you can't see it because it's obviously it's a podcast, but he like literally turns the camera around and shows the lake that he learned how to skate on. Like he was yeah. just sitting in a deck chair on the lake that he learned how to play hockey on. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's Minnesota for you. So with, without further ado, let's jump in here and uh, let's enjoy it. I know this is one I'm going to listen to a few times because there's a lot of little, little takeaways from this one. So what do you say, coach? I say, let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. 
So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Born in Minnetonka, Minnesota, where he played his high school hockey and made the change from Ford to D his senior year and was a top finalist for Mr. Hockey. Let's go. First round pick of the Ducks right out of high school. Gardner played his college hockey at the University of Wisconsin, where he averaged a point a game his final season as a junior. Jake also represented Team USA in 2015 in the World Championships, winning a bronze, and also in 2010 for World Juniors, winning a gold medal. Let's go. Gardner started his NHL career at the Leafs, scoring his first career goal on January 24, 2012 against Al Montoya of the New York Islanders. After his rookie campaign, where he led all rookie defensemen in scoring, Gardner was named the NHL All-Rookie Team. Let's go. Currently playing for the Carolina Hurricanes. Jake Gardner, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. That's a good introduction. Appreciate it. That's yeah, cool. we're excited to have you on here. We're uh, looking forward to talking through a little bit of your experience and, and some of the insights, but we really appreciate you coming on. But as Danny mentioned there, he kind of hit a few of the high points, but maybe can you give us a little insight into your, uh, your hockey background coming up? I mean, it all started right on the lake, actually. This is kind of where I am right now. I'll show you. Um, grew up on the lake. Was very fortunate coming up. Um, my dad made a pond or uh, made a rink for us on the lake every single year, and uh, it was. I'd, I'd say that's kind of where my brother and I gained all of our skill and creativity, and um, so yeah, it literally started right here, and uh, I guess the rest is history. Yeah, let's. Uh, I mean, you guys kind of have a hockey family with your brother, who I he was an NHL draft pick too, right? He was a, yeah, he was a, he played at Penn State and then uh, he was a draft pick to the St. Louis Blues and decided to go a different route. He's a lot smarter than I am, so he went <laughs> to money management and, and he's doing very, very well there. But um, he all, yeah, we're, we were a pretty big hockey family growing up. Yeah. Do you have any other siblings or just, a, is it the two of you? And my sister Paige, who's, uh, she played college lacrosse, but uh, never was a hockey player. Gotcha. What was, uh, what was the competition like at the house? Were you guys always competing against stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. we still do. I, yeah, <laughs> Paige, Paige is definitely a tougher on the tougher side for for girls for sure. She got picked on. She was the youngest one, so um, feel bad for her husband. <laughs> Future <laughs> husband. Future husband. That's the that's the way it goes. But uh, let's dive into your, your your early hockey in in Minnesota. And I know you talked about it there coming in the lake, but more more your youth hockey and. Did you play any other sports or were you always just hockey, hockey? Yeah, I think that's important for, for kids to do is not just to stick to one sport. Um, you don't really know what you're going to be good at or what you're going to have most fun at right away. And uh, For our family anyways, we played baseball, hockey, tried football a little bit, soccer, golf. So we kind of did it all. Um, like I said, I think you need to not just focus on one thing. You want to try to make friends, be part of a team, be part of – Every sport's different, so it's. Uh, I think it's it, it's important to do that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I coach a lot of youth hockey, and, and that's something that I sometimes gets lost. I mean, hockey specifically is getting so specialized these days, but it, there's so many advantages from a development standpoint, playing standpoint, to play other other sports. So I, I love hearing you hearing you say that, and that, that was part of your experience, even though like now hockey's the 
the one and only you know main sports focus for you. But let me jump ahead a little bit to your high school hockey. And so you played for Minnetonka High School in Minnesota. And you know, for the listeners, everybody's kind of aware of, of the kind of the prestige of Minnesota high school hockey. Um, but very specifically, I want to touch on your senior year and when from playing forward, you know, most of your youth hockey amateur days to when you transition to D. Tell us a little bit about how that happened, why that happened. Just kind of walk us through that decision. So, yeah. So, I mean, I always played, played for my, my whole life until I was, I think I've maybe played a few share in there when I was a squirt. So that was when I was 10, 11, 12, I'm not sure the age on that, but when I was 17 coach Troy Judding, uh, who coached at Mankato at the time, um, just, he actually took me on a visit as a forward and said, you know, he was saying nice things, all this and that. And then he said at the end, he said, have you ever thought about playing defense? You know, there's hundreds of guys that can handle the puck and skate as a forward, but there's not many guys that can do it as a defenseman. And it got me thinking, you know, I can skate backwards okay. And um, so we talked about it as a family and tried it out and uh, obviously succeeded at it. And, you know, so Partially, I have him to thank for, for telling me to switch to D. Who knows how it would have worked out on, on forward. And, um, but I do think he, he had a great point, and I think, obviously, it's, it worked out for me. You know, a guy that can make plays and, and make passes, breakout passes, as opposed to um, playing forward is, is obviously a huge asset. You see some of the guys in the NHL these days that actually have kind of the similar stories um, that have – played forward growing up and then switched to defenseman and became some of the best offensive defensemen. So, um, so kids out there that can skate backwards, maybe try doing that. Right. I think that's huge advice. Like the idea that every kid wants to play, well, you have a select few that want to play goalie, which is just crazy to me, but, um, everyone plays hockey cause they want to, they want to play forward. Right. And they want to score goals, but, as you get older and I, I kind of, I made that switch as a Bantam from forward to D and um, it's, it's huge because there, there needs to be puck moving defensemen, especially with the way the game's going. Like these giant, huge mammoth of the men, like the Zeno Charas, there's just few and far between of those guys. And if you can make that first breakout pass. You can, you can make a lot of money playing this game. And so definitely made the right call. And was, was it tough? Cause so that means you had one year as a defenseman and then you went, right to Wisconsin without playing juniors. What was that transition like and how, what went into that decision? There was, yeah, there was a lot to learn. I mean, and at that age, you're a senior in high school. You're probably one of the better players in the state. And I, I go into Wisconsin and it's a little bit eye-opening. You know, you, you, you always jump to the next level and it's always eye-opening. But um, my coach, my defense, defensive coach is Marco Siki there. And he was kind of known for – being a defensive specialist and a good recruiter, a great coach to, to get the guys to that next level. And it was eye-opening just to talk with him and to, to basically know that it was going to take me a few years to get to where I wanted to go. And um, But it, once again, I give a lot of credit to him in in my success and, and the stuff that I learned at Wisconsin. I mean, when I first got there, it was, it was like I said, it was eye-opening. I, I couldn't play much defense. So let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit about making that that move to to defense and kind of what was that learning curve like for you when not only the jump to Wisconsin but also the jump to you know really trying to hone in on being that offensive defenseman you know can you share any insights into how you approach that position or what you did at that time back in Wisconsin um, or what you're doing now at the NHL level and um, you know and kind of helping improve that play 
even now I'm still, I'm still trying to get better. Um, I wouldn't say not, not as much as with my skills, more with just picking up on little positional. Um, I watch, I watch defensemen every game. I mean, I, I play with a few really, really, really good defensemen now. Uh, Jacob Slavin is probably one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. And um, t- so to look at a guy like that, just to, to see what he kind of does to, to force guys a certain way in the corner, he, you know, it's whether it's a little stick tap on the right side of a shin pad to force the guy to go left and then he skates right into him or um, making a simple breakout pass that uh, doesn't always need to make be the, the pretty play, but it seems like he's always making the right play. So just watching other players and, and trying to pick up on little, little things that they do is probably one of the, the biggest things for me. Yeah. What, what, uh, so you, you touched on Slav and you played with a, a number of other defensemen in the NHL. And is there any D partner of yours that just sticks out that makes the game easier, like easier for you to play as far as like from a defensive standpoint for like, if you know, like, Oh, I'm paired up with, I was paired up with so-and-so for, this time at Wisconsin or whatever that, that really made it so much easy to play because he did this. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of good partners for different reasons. I played with Justin Schultz at Wisconsin who him and I were more of a, just kind of go, go, go at that time, especially Um, played with Ryan McDonough at Wisconsin um, who was just an all around, as you can see in the playoffs right now, he's an absolute beast. So he's playing Um, it, they're looking like they're going to go to the finals here, and he's he's a big part of that. Uh, I played with Brett Pesci this this last year, who was an all around another an all around, all around just great player, and uh, kind of lets you do whatever you want on the ice. He's he's going to be there, and he's one of the guys. He's another defensive guy that you know he's, he's very hard to beat. So, um, and, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. Morgan Riley is one of the the guys. We didn't get to play together too much. He's just – I mean, he's on a different different level offensively, especially these last couple of years. He's really stepped up his game and kind of been more assertive and um, taking control of the play more. Yeah, as a defenseman, it's so important having that that trust and that partner that you're with. And, you know, if somebody's going to be that offensive part, that having that defensive part and knowing that they're going to be back is such a huge part of success and, and team. And I think um, – you know, I think, I think Danny might have one question to jump in here. I just want to talk a little bit um, and dive into more of like, so now it's, it's the off season. You're, you're looking at obviously getting ready for the next season. Is there, there's stuff that you're going to focus in on from like D specific things. And I know it's a podcast, so it's hard to like drop certain drills or anything like that. But is there, is there one thing that you're going to really, really try and hone in on and focus in this summer to, to make sure you're ready to go? Um, probably, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird Weird schedule here. We're not sure right. exactly when it's going to start. Could be December first. Could be January first. Could be later than that. Who knows? But in the in the short time, I'm gonna. I started uh, focusing a little bit more on my legs. I know everyone says get get your legs stronger, do this, do that. But I literally, I'd say 90% of my workouts now are are, are leg based workouts, more, mostly single leg stuff. Not a lot of heavy weight, but explosive jumping. Um, and I did that before I went into these last playoffs and I felt a lot more explosive. And uh, so I'm going to do the same thing I did and just be ready to go that way. How does that, uh, how does your kind of mindset on your training differ when you're in season versus out of season? Does it, your daily routines change that much? Can you walk us through that? They do. Um, during the summer, you're trying to mostly just build, get stronger, 
And then once the season starts, you're kind of trying to just maintain it, depending on what level you are. When we were in college, we were trying to get stronger at all times. You know, we'd do at least two to three hard workouts uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then settle down a little bit coming into the weekend. But um, we still do we, – we do workouts. They're a little bit quicker, more ex- explosive after games. And um, we, we have 82 games, so it's a little bit harder to, to try to make those gains during the year. But – um, when we can try to maintain the best we can, it's, uh, it's a crucial part of it. Has that, uh, you know, as you've kind of gone through your career after a few years in the NHL now, has your training, like how has it changed from when you were in, in competing in college versus like your early time in, in the NHL versus now when you've, you've had a few seasons under your belt? I, I mean, I think the style of training in general has just changed since I, since I was in college, which was sort of been, 10, 12 years ago now, but the heavy lifting doesn't seem to be as, as, uh, um, people aren't doing it as much. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff is mobility based and, and, um, just movements. And, and I think that's important these days. It's huge. It's crazy how much that it went from, let's see who can deadlift the most and, bench press 225 as many times as you can to now it's like all the like you said one-legged jumping and running and it's uh it's cool too because you're the product has gotten so much better on the ice and so obviously the whatever they're putting into it's working so just slow these guys down is what they need to do <laughs> they do <laughs> faster and faster that's no joke it's crazy um so you, you spent a lot of time with one franchise in toronto and, and then now you're in carolina and every new locker room is different, and it's 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 hard sometimes for people, especially uh, to to change. Obviously, from I mean, even junior hockey, right? When a kid gets traded from you know Des Moines to to Sioux, Sioux Falls or something like that here in the USHL, and what was it like for you coming into a new locker room? How did, how did you handle that, and what kind of advice might you have for you know a kid that gets traded in the junior leagues or you know even in in the NHL? Um. So that was my first time going into a locker room. But anytime you go into a new, new locker room, you're gonna be you're gonna be nervous for sure. It's, it's just a human instinct. You're gonna be nervous. Um, if I had some advice to give, I would say in one of your first days, don't be the loudest guy in the locker room. Maybe trying to try to ease into it um, for yourself, of course. But try to ease into it. You know, see, feel the locker room out. Feel the guys out. You don't. There's no need to be nervous, but. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that'd be my biggest thing. You know, I've had certain guys that go into the locker room and, and they are the loudest guys and they rub people the wrong way and they're um, – that's just – that's kind of how it goes. But Right. Um, and I don't think there's anything to be nervous about. There's great guys on every single team. I'm sure you'll find somebody you like. Um, you know, it's – I've gotten lucky. I played it in Toronto, great group of guys. Played in Carolina, great group of guys. And – um, so I've been lucky. So it, it could be different other places, but I'm, I'd say 95% of hockey teams have a, have people that you're going to like. Yeah, I think, you know, that's good advice. And Danny always talks about that, about making, you know, an opportunity to make, make an, you know, another roster full of new friends. And this time of year, there's so many, you know, whether it's kids making it from one town to another town or, uh, you know, 
juniors to college or your youth hockey, high school to juniors, you know, there's a lot of people with unknowns and they're trying to figure it out around the, the States. And I think that's a good way to look at it is, is that it's an opportunity more than is just going into a locker room unknown, but yeah, hockey guys are hockey guys pretty much wherever you can go. So uh, it's not, it doesn't have to be as nerve wracking as that. Right. Um, uh, speaking of that, like when you're in the different locker rooms, you've had a chance in your, your pro career to play with a lot of different players throughout the years in Toronto and now in Carolina. Is there any uh, players that you can pinpoint that really kind of made a good impact on your career um, from like an example wise, maybe some of the veteran guys when you were a little bit younger coming into the league that kind of showed you how to be a pro or how to compete at that top level. And, and maybe you can pinpoint who those guys might be if, if you're willing to, or, and then also what you learn from them too. Yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely a handful. Um, John Michael Isles, who was, I think he was 30 when I got in the league. So I was 21. He's 10 years old at 20. He was either 30 or 31. Um, I remember just, he was pulling me in right after camp or during camp. And once again, I was nervous. I wasn't, wasn't going to make the team. I didn't know where I stood. That's just kind of how it goes when you're, when you're a young guy. And I just remember he, you know, he came and patted me on the back, said, Hey, keep playing this way. And you're going to be on the team. You're going to have no problem. And that, that meant the world to me. Um, it was more just, it felt like, uh, I was kind of not secure, but I, uh, I just felt a, new confidence the guy sees that he's uh it's kind of taking me under his wing and saying you know just trying to make me feel good and trying to be a part of the team and and that meant a lot when I was a 20 21 year old uh a guy and um so that was that was a, a huge moment and, and even the following summer uh we went to a camp and uh I didn't know nobody at the camp it's, it was in Vail I think it was uh guys like Crosby Duchesne McKinnon, um, some high-end guys. So I'm a little bit risky. John Michael Isles says, hey, do you want to stay in my room with me and my wife? And I said, yeah, that'd be great because I didn't know nobody, nobody there. And um, so just little, two little stories like that, that for a guy to do that, come out of his, come out of his way to do that is, was great for me. And uh, another guy, uh, Dion Phaneuf, who's a, a little bit different um, story. You know, he was always pushing me and, uh, trying to make me better uh, at different ways, you know, whether it was whacking you in practice, just talking on the bench. And, and uh, so both those guys were great. Yeah, that's those are two of the best to, to learn from, right? And so and it sounds like they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum and you, you need that, especially in the game of hockey when things can change in a matter of seconds. And, you know, it's pretty cool to, to hear that some of the superstars of the league guys that, you know, I loved watching and it's cool that it's cool to hear the other side of it. Like, here's why they were a good teammate, not only because they got it done on the ice, but when I knew I needed help in the locker room or when I knew I was going somewhere and needed somewhere to stay, they, they had your back. And I'm sure it's kind of one of those things that the, the just keeps passing on from generations right now. It's now it's your turn being a 30 year old guy to, to kind of go down and get some of those young guns. So that's, um, that's awesome to hear. Were there, yeah, I still talk to those guys pretty regularly too. So that's, that's another cool part about it. You know, you, they, they take care of when you're young and you become friends and, and uh, so that's, that's another great part about hockey too. For sure. Do you ever get out and play some golf with those guys? I know you get out, you get out and golf yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. John Michael Isles is a scratch and oh, phenomenal. Man. Not exactly a scratch, but he's pretty good. He's probably like a six, six or seven, I would say. Who, uh, who do you golf with that can hit the ball the furthest? Hit it the furthest? Um, 
gosh. Uh, Brady Shea has a professional t- tier swing, I would say. Really? Yeah, he's got wow. the. He's got a he's got a good swing. He's fun to watch. Yeah, it's the off season, so I got to get some golf talk in. I was gonna say, but, you got to uh, watch out. Danny's more into hockey or in golf. He's <laughs> hockey golf season right now. <laughs> That's all it is. Before I get too far off. Which so you talked about some players that kind of took you under your wing. Were there were there any coaches that just had a huge impact on your career and doesn't necessarily have to be NHL anybody that had a positive impact on you and what that was like and and how that helped you along the way. Yeah, I touched on this a little bit. I didn't get too into it, but Marco Siki at Wisconsin. I went in there. I was a guy with some serious confidence and thought I knew everything. I'm sure a lot of kids do this. And so I always, it seemed like I always had an excuse on the bench where, you know, I'd come off the ice and I'd say, I, I, he'd be like, you can't make that play there. And I said, I'd make up some scenarios where it was my fault. So I didn't have any accountability. And oh, he took me into the, into the, he took me in, uh, on his own, just me and him, in front of the team. He said, first off, you may know you're a really skilled player. You may know everything, but I, I will tell you this, you do not. And I, there was some other words said, and, you know, we had talked, and it was it was a great conversation, very helpful to me to basically open myself up to, to being, um, you know, able to, to be coachable, I guess, to, to learn and to accept the, the fact that I wasn't always right in certain uh, scenarios. And I think that was a big point in my college career and, and, and road to the NHL that said, okay, you know, you're right. I, I don't know everything. I do need to learn things and I do need to, to be coachable. And, and um, yeah, like I said, that was a, a big step. That's huge. I love that. I mean, that might be the biggest piece of advice coming out of this interview is for the players about just coach and, you know, no matter how the good they are, you know, how big of a fish they are in that, in the they're swimming in that, you know, the ability to keep progressing and, and realize that they need to learn from others. I think that's a huge takeaway. I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. I've got a random kind of a random question here. This is a, you know, it's obviously a very odd different year with COVID and the way that the league shaped out and, uh, you spent a little time in the bubble there. Let me. What was uh, as far as the NHL bubble for the playoffs? What was the the best thing and the worst thing from being a player living in the bubble? Well, the worst thing was. I mean, I have two kids now and, and a wife at home, so that was by far the worst thing. Um, that's a, that's an obvious answer. Yeah. I will say the best part was being around great guys and and competing. And COVID's been tough for that. You've been everyone's just lived a different life and for us to get back on the ice and compete and do something we love with a group of people you love um was was very fun the other worst part now that we've got that established it was probably um i mean you, you feel a little bit locked up in there and you get pent up i think you're a bunch of guys that like to to get out golf or whatever it may be go on walks and so that was that was tough a little bit, but um, and overall, I you know, I wouldn't have changed it. I, th- I had a great time. Uh, it's, it's just I still don't believe what's going on in the world. Like it's just all crazy to me. What yeah. like I'm a school teacher by day, and so walking around the school right now, and every kid's wearing masks and staying as far away from each other. Like it's just it's a different world. But it was nice to to get some normalcy. Played golf on Sunday, and then got to watch the Vikings Packers game. Are you? Uh, are you a Vikings fan or a Pack going to school in Wisconsin but growing up in Minnesota? 
I'm a Packers fan. They, they won a championship, so it was pretty easy to jump on board once there. So you got hooked in. So you were pretty uh, pretty okay with yesterday's uh, beatdown on the Vikes. I, I was definitely okay. We had Ryan Schwickert, who you know, over yep. in my house. And, uh, so it was easy to chirp him yesterday. That was fun. Yeah. That's, uh, that was a tough loss for the Vikes, but – it's the way she goes, I guess. Uh, so let's. Um, we're gonna start to kind of wrap this up here, and and at the end of the show, we always do just our advice for our youth hockey players and youth coaches. Or is there something out there? And I know, like what you talked about being coachable. I can't tell you. I coach high school hockey in Minnesota as well, and the amount of times a kid will come off the ice and be like, "Hey, like, here's what you maybe should have done," and then they'll dream up some scenario and say, "No, this is why I did it. This is why I did it," and it's like okay, that's, that's not being very coachable right there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's huge advice as far from that standpoint. Do you, have, do you have anything else just for youth hockey players that are aspiring to – I mean, every kid's goal should be to play in the NHL. So or at least that's what I think. But uh, <laughs> I agree. any advice for those? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, – the typical answer is to have fun and, and enjoy it. But that's, that's honestly true. I mean – yeah the day that you stop having fun is probably the day you're stuck going to stop succeeding. And that's kind of anything you do in life, but, um, yeah, go out there. Don't try not to stress about stuff. Um, enjoy every single day. That's the, that's the way I try to live my life. And especially, I think that applies in hockey too. Um, just, just, just have fun with it. Gotta love what you do. I agree wholeheartedly. What about for those, uh, you know, a big, a big piece of the, the listeners here for this podcast are coaches of various levels, youth hockey, uh, junior hockey, college hockey, things like that. What advice would you have specifically more geared towards the youth or high school hockey coaches out there? Uh, any advice that you would give them? Um, I would say there's no wrong way to do coach. Everyone's got their own style. I've had coaches – super hard on me that I loved. I've had coaches that are very lenient on me that I loved. So, um, there's, I wouldn't say there's a by the book, the way that you're supposed to coach. Um, I will say that every player wants to know where they stand and where, what you expect of them. And, and like I said, where they stand, if, if, if they're confused, then they're not going to produce. So, um, I would say just be very straightforward with your players. And I think, yeah, you're right. And I think sometimes that gets lost along the you know, we live in this world where, and I, I don't want to get on the topic of participation trophies and all that stuff, but I think you're right. If if you could just, if you went into the, as a hockey player, if you went into the locker room every day, knowing where you stand, knowing what the coach thinks of you, and then the, I think the next phase would be knowing what you should be working on or knowing what you should be doing to get, you know, in better graces or, you know, more ice time would be the goal. So yeah, that's, that's definitely huge. And You've hit on a bunch of topics that I know our listeners are going to love. Do you have any other closing final thoughts for anybody out there listening? Um, no, and if you're, if you're a player, like you just said, if you're a player that doesn't know where they stand, maybe go into the coach's office and say, hey, what can I do to, to get better? What can I do to play more? What can I do to, you know, what can I do? Yeah. I, I want to be out there more. I want to compete. So, Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I that goes – so much further than, you know, having your mom email the coach or something and saying, oh, hey, my kid's not, yeah. not getting nice. Don't go, don't go pout and put your, put your tail between your legs. Do something right. about it and talk to your coach with some respect. And, and uh, I'm sure every coach is going to respect it. Yeah. 
I agree. Well, I appreciate that. It seems like a decent, decent way to end the interview. Like I said, we appreciate you coming on. Before we let you go, we have to get a nice little let's go from you, if you don't mind. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Thanks Kate again. Gardner, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Best of luck in the off-season training, and I uh, hope we can talk again sometime soon. All right. Thanks, thank you. guys. Huge thank you to Gardner for joining us on the podcast today. I thought that was an awesome episode. I loved hearing about his experience game and his career so far, very successful career in the NHL. So Jake, thank you so much for joining us. I thought that was awesome. Heater, what'd you think, man? It was awesome. He's, he took kind of a non-traditional route, I guess, going right from Minnesota high school hockey to uh, college hockey to the AHL to the NHL. And this guy's played over 500 games in the national hockey league. Let's go. But if you want to check him out before I jump into these three stars, his Instagram, like he's always posting stuff on there. So it's uh J Gardner two, seven, two. So J G A R D I N E R two, seven, two. Sometimes I get nervous spelling and reading <laughs> online, but uh, I feel like I did all right. There. there, huh? Yeah. He, uh, he's always sharing though. So it's awesome. So go ahead and go and check that stuff out. Um, all right. Three stars, three stars. Jump, jumping in, jump in, give us the three stars. Why don't you start us off Peter? Third star was when honestly he brought up John, we talked about basically being role models and, uh, who took him under his wing. He talked about John Michael Isles, which is awesome because that's a, that's a player I tried to model my game after. Uh, when I was playing and I loved watching him play hockey. And so it was cool to hear that he's not only an amazing hockey player, but he's an amazing guy. And the idea that he took him under his wing and, you know, gave him some confidence at camp and then let him stay at his place uh, when they were on the road and, and things like that. And it's, it's those little tiny things that obviously he, that, that was 10 years ago, he said, right? Yeah. And exactly. he's still, still yeah, making and he, an impact on him still huge. And, you know, I guarantee he's the type of guy that's going to turn around and impact someone that that was in his shoes back in the day. And he talked about Dion Phaneuf, who, you know, has always kind of been known as that hard, tough guy. And it sounded like he was, he was hard on Jake, but in a good way. Right. And he helped him learn the game of hockey and it turned him into the professional hockey player that he is today. And he's, he's obviously doing things right because I mean, he's, he's one of the best to do it right now. And it's, it's fun to watch him play. It was even more fun to have him on the podcast. So again, thank you. Uh, number two star of the night was just his advice for coaches and the idea that coaches need to let their players know where they stand and players. If you don't know where they stand, it's perfectly okay to go have a respectful conversation with your coach and ask those questions. Hey, I want to compete. I want to get better. I want to, I want to be in the lineup every night. What do I got to do? And he talked about a right way and a wrong way to do it. Right. He, he talked about his coach at Wisconsin who pulled him aside, didn't do it in front of the team. And it sounded like they had a tough conversation that was very uh, productive. And he, I think he pinpointed it as his turning point in his career where from then on out, he started to figure things out and they started to click and he, he, he became more coachable. And I think that's where you're going to jump in here for number one star, but those are, those are my two biggest things. Like the idea of be a good role model, be a good person because it's going to have an impact on you. It's going to, it's going to help grow the game and make it better. And then coaches let your players know where they stand. It's okay to have tough, productive conversations. 
Yeah, those are huge points, huge takeaways. And, and the the number one star for the night that I'm going to go to, you kind of already hinted at it, and I kind of mentioned it in the episode. I think this is a critical, critical piece of takeaway for any of the, the players out there listening to this, and that's the importance of coachability in a player's career. And, and with that comes the acceptance of accountability for the player's own actions. And so – I just think that that's probably the number one takeaway from this episode is that you got a guy, Jake Gardner, the guy's made a successful career at the NHL level. He's one of the top defensemen in our game right now. And he's talking about how in college he was kind of big headed, thought he was a stud, kind of a, you know, big fish in a small pond in Minnesota high school hockey jumps up to college hockey. Never, you know, any mistake he makes is not his fault. It's always something else. There's excuse after excuse. And and he learned how to be coachable and he learned how to take accountability for his own mistakes. And that was a turning point in his career and his maturity and his development. And I think that's a lesson that every player out here should take to heart. Um, no matter if they're playing youth hockey or high school or juniors or college or whatever, that that's an important piece of getting to that next level and improving your game. And it also translates outside the game too, you know, whether you're in the, in school or you're in, in your job, you know, being able to, to be able to be the person that can be dependent upon and be accountable for your own actions and open to feedback from the people that are there to help you succeed is such an important piece of developing in the game, you know, developing your own game and reaching higher levels. So I really, really, truly hope that players take heed of that message from this episode, put it into play, put it into practice in their own games and, and help them set themselves up for success this coming season. So I really appreciate Jake Gardner sharing that. I think that's a, it's an awesome message for the players out there. For sure. He, I mean, he was hitting things on the head left and right, figuratively speaking. Uh, but it was, it was cool to, it's cool to have him on. Uh, we'd, we'd obviously love to have him on again. We know how tight and busy those schedules get for these guys, but uh, we appreciate it. Anytime I get to sit down, talk hockey, talk golf, talk Vikings football, it's a win for me. So thanks. Thank you very much, Jake Gardner, for coming on. Uh, again, check him out on Instagram. Check him out on his social channels. He's, uh, he's definitely a guy who's an ambassador for the sport of hockey, and he's definitely leaving the game better than he found it. So check him out. Uh, if you're listening to this, cross check that like button, show us some love. Um, we'll continue to get NHL all-stars and, uh, awesome coaches and different guys and gals that are, that are helping make the game better than they found it. So that's all I got coach, unless I'm missing something, which could be the point could be the case here. No, I think, uh, I think you hit it there. We, we got, uh, some exciting guests coming up, having some fun. Hopefully everybody's going to be fired up for this coming season. You know, a lot of teams are in training camp mode right now, tryout mode, or they're just starting with a couple of their first tournaments or games coming up soon. And the season's a little, uh, a little different this year, but you know, it's, it's an opportunity to make the best of the situation. And, you know, the one last thing before we go out here, we, we touched on something that, you know, 30 some episodes in we've never touched on before is that you may like golf more than you like hockey. <laughs> you know, I could, I could yeah. tell you, you're, you're into it. What, what, <sighs> what are you shooting these days? What, what's going on here? Well, I caught the bug this summer. I would say this was my first summer of committing to the game. Um, I'm extremely, I'm probably too competitive. I just had a long talk with my uncle, actually, uh, our fantasy football draft. Uh, some family members got pretty upset with me and, and my, uh, I guess the way I handled it, but, um, yeah, so I'm trying to work on that, but it's just who I am. Right. And so well, I played golf earlier in the summer and a few of the guys I was with beat me and I was like, all right, time to fire it up. And so got dialed in and 
I, it's the best sport in the world. I wish, I wish it was something I started when I was younger. My daughter, Sophie's already going. She went golf with me, played nine holes. She just, she's hilarious. She crushed it. She actually hit a few good tee shots, hit the fairway probably more than I did. So it's, uh, it's the world's greatest game. And, you know, hopefully we'll have to have a let's go hockey, uh, let's go golf, golf tournament. Podcast. Let's go golf podcast. I could talk golf forever. So <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm shooting the best. I, I I'd say I'm, I'm shooting high eighties right now. 88. My best run of the year was an 84. It's an honest 84 though. No mulligans or breakfast balls or whatever these, these people are playing, which I'm not against, but you know, true, you competitor. Want, true yeah. and true competitor you want an honest score. You can't be taking those things. Yeah. So, well, we got, uh, you're a better golfer than I am, but, uh, I know our Vinny, our producers, and he, he's a golfer too, man. He's Vin, you, you still on this or what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still golfing. I mean, I'm, I'm golfing <laughs> maybe even more than Danny and, uh, I'm right there with you though, man. I'm shooting like 80, but my best round now the courses here in Pittsburgh might be a little different, but my best round so far this year was an 81. So, oh. um, mm. That's Probably the, had two breakfast balls and six mulligans on the back nine. I, <laughs> That's how Vinny rolls. <laughs> you know, we should definitely get the uh, Let's Go Hockey podcast open going. Perfect. Look at this. Multi-sport athletes. That's the message we're sending right there. Not just hockey all the time. Right. All I, just look, too. I look at some of our seniors last year. They played uh, – one kid played football in the fall, hockey in the winter, and then golf in the spring. Like what an awesome senior year. So yeah, want to uh, golf's the best. So it's cool to hear. I, I knew he was a golfer, so I wanted to tee him up for a couple golf questions. See what I did there. <laughs> good one, Danny. Good one. You know, looking back, we talked to Sam Lafferty earlier, like I, what you know, episode ten or whatever it was, give or take. Yeah. And I can't remember if we touched on it, but he was he played D one golf and D one hockey at the same time at Brown. How yeah. sweet would that be in college? I mean. That'd be, I mean, that's the dream, right? Yeah. Hit those links, guys. Off season. It pays off. Anyway, that's all I got for today. I just thought we had to touch on that since Danny, you could, you could feel Danny got electric when we started talking about golf a little bit. So, oh, yeah, we'll have to get, uh, have to get some of these guys on the girls, these guys and girls that, uh, out on the course. So, Thanks again, Jake, for coming on. We appreciate it. Like I said, I could talk forever about hockey and golf, and so sometimes these might get a little long, but we appreciate everybody listening. If you ever have any questions or if you know somebody that would be an awesome guest on the podcast, shoot us an email. What's our email? Let's go hockey podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I should have known that. All right, we're rambling on. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate everything. Let's go. Let's go.